Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. All right, welcome aboard. It is another episode of Why Does Healthcare Suck? But today it's going to be a real positive Healthcare Heroes episode. And we have some healthcare heroes with us today. My name is Harlan Pickett. I am the host of this super fun event that we do on the last Tuesday of every month. All right, we're going to jump right into this thing. So as we were thinking about what to do for this, this particular episode, there's so much negative that we hear all the time about healthcare, and we discuss a lot of it here. And then we also talk about some of the answers. But let's not talk about any of those negatives today. Let's talk about successes and joyous things and, and things that people have done to change the way that we access healthcare, the way that we consume healthcare, and, and really the way we access healthcare. Because that is the, the main thing that we're looking to do today is just celebrate some of those wonderful things. And the first person I want to introduce today is someone who really helped me along this pathway of, of understanding what was going on. She does talks all around the country of how you can direct contract. And whenever I first met Dr. Kristen Dickerson, it was through an organization called the Free Market Medical Association. And wonderful organization. Uh, in fact, everyone that's, that's uh, going to be speaking today uh, from, the, from the speaker's podium up here, as it were anyway, is a member of FMA. And Kristen happens to be one of the co-leaders of the Houston chapter right now. But she really helped me understand in a better way how direct contracting can make such a big difference. And in her realm, in imaging, she has made such a huge impact, not just in Texas, but around the country. Her services, uh, Green Imaging now offers imaging in every state. I know it was a long process for her to go through that so that she could offer true access to affordable imaging all the way across the country. Kristen Dickerson, thank you so much for being a healthcare hero and welcome aboard today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Harlan, and back at you because we've got to have people out there educating the employers and um, individuals who are looking for a different way to do healthcare. Um, you know, th that that's your job and um, we need more people like you and we need more people who are outspoken like you are and, um, you know, and get out there in front of the public and talk about these things. Um, I would say that, you know, the people who brought me here are, are some of my healthcare heroes. I think Dave Chase, um, who heads uh, Health Rosetta, founded Health Rosetta. Um, when I first was pulled into the Free Market Medical Association by Dr. Goyle, Dr. Geetender Goyle here in Houston, he's a Yale-trained pulmonary intensivist 
who found that when he was in the ICU at the pulmonary ICU at Methodist Hospital, he was dealing with people who shouldn't be there. They either didn't have primary care at all, or they hadn't had end of life um, work through a primary care provider. And he started looking at alternative models for practicing, found direct primary care, which is subscription-based primary care. And started a practice here in Houston, first primary care. And he brought me into the free market medical association uh, world. And we actually had Dave Chase speak at our first conference. And I had been um, the managing partner of Diagnostic Clinic of Houston. I understood how broken things were in the system, but I didn't have data in front of me. I just knew it from the way we were treated as providers by hospital systems and insurance companies. And Dave put those numbers up there and I suddenly saw it and I, I, I really started down a path. Um, I was well into green imaging at that point in time. I was several years in, but he started me on a path to really trying to help change healthcare nationally. And um, Cynthia Fisher is doing, you know, she's got an organization um, which is empowering patients. It's patients' rights advocates. And um, she's trying to impact things at a legislative level and at a patient education level. Um, she's another great healthcare hero. Um, I would say Nurse Deb, um, who has a practice management I mean, a, a medical management company where she's directing patients to hire quality care is one of my heroes. Um, I think Doug Aldine and Julie Selesnik are fantastic um, advocates for us. They're out there actually, you know, trying to, to file lawsuits for employers to get things changed, to push back on the insurance companies and hospital systems where there's really egregious legal issues going on. And then I think the employers like Joe Lamantia, um, you know, who founded BevCap, which is an insurance captive that, that bottling companies can join um, and is, you know, has reform-minded health plans. And then his own company he uses as a, a testing ground for different products. And it's really exciting to see all the different ways that he's trying to change healthcare. So, you know, and, and I would, you know, I've known Juliet for a number of years now and I love what she's doing. And, you know, my employees have her services, you know, uh, for themselves and their families. And we love doing that. So it's really, um, I, I think it takes a village. It takes um, all of us uh, working together. And I think individuals are taking it on, who are going to health sharing, who are, um, you know, shopping for care, who are trying to find better ways to, to acquire care, are really um, part of the hero movement here too. So Hey, thank you so very much, Kristen. I have a, a question about what you've seen. So you you started, took this, Dave Chase kind of brought you into this. You, you've made these great relationships over time. Uh, you are the one who actually introduced me to Juliet as well and has helped us uh, with that partnership that we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. But what have you seen as far as, and I've seen some of this change too, almost like a wasteland of, of uh, people doing these things, people uh, negotiating contracts, a uh, free market mentality, just huge, you know, if, if not everywhere, just huge swaths of a wasteland that we're seeing, you know, we're seeing little communities pop up almost everywhere now. Yeah. And I think, you know, I do think that um, Dave Chase's idea of low, you know, healthcare should be acquired locally, just like groceries should be. Um, you know, we have wonderful resources in our communities, and you know, we can end up giving 
back to that community. If everybody, you know, concentrates their resources, their healthcare resources in a community, um, it actually stimulates the economy of that community. And um, I, I think that is a tremendous idea. You know, what I found, because I was going to be like HEB with green imaging, you know, I thought Texas was big enough. But the problem is, especially post-pandemic, um, we, our country is very dispersed. We have a large new client, a large municipality in North Texas coming on board January 1st. And so surprised to see that, you know, their employees are all over the country. Um, even though they're they're just a municipality in in you know north of Dallas, so um, I do think you know there is this kind of more global um, you know when you get to larger companies there's this more global perspective you have to have on healthcare, but I think having resources like next level urgent care where every you know my employees are in Texas and that way they can you know they all have um, her care, but you know, where we have um, great things going on in communities, I think employers should uh, tap into that. And so I think the Kissimmee area where we've got the Rosen Hotels, we've got uh, School District of Osceola County, we have a number, you know, now we have WastePro, we have a number of larger companies coming together. We become the best referral source to a lot of the healthcare resources there, and then we get great workflows with them. And every you know, they hold appointments um, for our members. It just becomes a better way of doing things. And and I do think that you know that's the one thing that the hospitals kind of do better than we do. You know, their their resources are more aggregated. Their rec medical records are more aggregated. We have to create, those of us who are kind of what I would call free market, uh, you know, healthcare providers, we have to make sure that we have those same kind of easy workflows. And that's what the, the you know, the ecosystems do, the local ecosystems do. They help you to really uh, refine your your workflows and to um, to become just you know the the best referral source and that and you know pay the prompt pay pay their price pay promptly all of those things makes things work really well and better than the traditional system. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you so much that I mean you think about the numbers, how much we spend on healthcare in this country, and the fact that it's it's twenty percent of our economy now. That now if if we can move that locally, what a huge difference that would make. Now, first of all, it would lower the amount. I know this sounds crazy, folks, but it would lower the amount we actually spend on healthcare when we move that to, to a local uh, way of doing business. And if you if you implement it in, on top of that free market principles, then it's going to be a double win because you're only going to do business with the people who want to do business in a free market way, and then you're going to do business locally. So you'll keep that in your same community. So that's, that's a very uh, great outlook there, Kristen. And I really do appreciate you sharing that. Uh, please hang around because there may be some folks that have some questions for you here in just a little bit, but going along that same thought process of having healthcare locally is the individual that Dr. Uh, Dickerson introduced me to, and that is Dr. Juliet Breeze. And when we first met, I really didn't understand why Kristen had introduced me to someone who, who had an urgent care. Like, okay, well, that's, that's great. I mean, yes, I, I, I can understand that. But then I found out what the introduction was really all about because Dr. Breeze has put together an incredible program called Next Level Prime that 
allows employers to provide free health care to their employees. Yeah, that's right. Did you hear what I said? Free health care to their employees. It is a very innovative and in incredible way to bring health care directly to the folks in their local area. And uh, it was funny. We were talking before the show. She got a day off yesterday. And so she's coming in fresh. She's coming in fresh and hot here because she had that her she gets two days a year that she gets to rest. And so she had a rest day yesterday. So she's ready to go. Dr. Breeze, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me today, Harlan. I I am. I feel like a new woman. That one that whole 24 hours without a clinic open was amazing. Um, and I'm, I, I really am. Um, so happy to be here and and talking about you know the, the the good side of what's going on in healthcare because I think some really exciting things are happening and and uh, I get a front row seat because we we are uh, definitely changing the way people receive healthcare and and giving a lot more healthcare out these days. Um, I right before I went on vacation I had the nicest email that came from one of our customers. They um, got some statistics from their, their consultant and the consultant let them know that, that with our program, although they had paid this, uh, the, they had kept medical claim spending flat between our program and what they were already doing. But the difference was about uh, 1,620 additional healthcare visits were accomplished with the same amount of money. Um, and that that's a lot of people who weren't getting care the year before, and now they were able to receive primary care, preventive care, urgent care, whatever they needed. And they weren't afraid of coming into the doctor because they were going to have a copay or a deductible. They were able to come and get that, that care they need. So it's a good, it's a good holiday for me. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a beautiful way to to say that. Sixteen hundred more. Think about that. It, we didn't change how much we spent, but we helped so many more people. Now, to give you another example of that, I don't think that I've shared this with you, uh, Juliet. But when we've got our first report uh, for the first quarter of all of our members that we have on Prime, the number that's it wasn't the savings that got me. There were some savings there, and, but that wasn't the important number to me. The important number to me was 27% of the folks that responded to the, you know, the exit interview, as it were, the, the exit questionnaire, 27% said if they wouldn't have gone to next level that day, they would not have gone anywhere. Yep. I love that number. And I talk about that number a lot because that's a, employers don't actually realize what an important number that is. That that's a lot of people coming into work ill or mm -hmm. um, or not getting better as fast as they could, or frankly, sometimes putting off care and ending up in the emergency room or in the hospital. That that number is very significant to business savings, even if they don't see it in the actual claims, you know, um, uh, save. No, that's exactly right. Because if they didn't go, when they would have gone in many, many cases there, they would have gone later. Mm -hmm. What would the situation have been then? What it would have been then an ER trip? Would it have been a hospital stay? What would it have looked like then? Because it, you know, 
that's a big number. Now, let, let's be honest. There's some that probably went that just, you know, they might have made it through without having anything serious. But we know that a number of those folks, that would have not been the case. That's they right. would have ended up going after things got more serious. So it is to me, that was always the most impressive number. Every time we get our report, I'll look at that. That's what I want to know. How many people did we provide health care to? Did I, this program provide health care to that would not have got it otherwise or would have got it in a little more dire situation uh, because yeah. it was so easily accessible? Exactly what you said. No co-pays, no co-insurance and no bill coming later, because that's one of the things that people fear is, OK, you said and we still get that. You know, the, the biggest complaint we get about our the prime membership is it's too good to be true. <laughs> You know, it's funny because we, that same customer who was telling me about their um, double, you know, their 1600 additional visits also said that they have a deductible that's $1,250. Um, and, you know, that effectively makes their, their employees coming out of pocket for pretty much everything that they're right. going to do in a year. And that's where that difference comes in. Um, you know, we love to save employers money, but we oftentimes don't talk about the individual impact that makes on employees. And, you know, Kristen was mentioning some healthcare heroes. I, I have to say my number one healthcare hero happens to be Kristen Dickerson. She's amazing. And what she's done, I hope to emulate one day getting across the nation. That's quite a feat. Um, but, you know, what, what I um, am experimenting with now are others who are doing similar things, um, you know, really making healthcare affordable to the individual. And there's a, a guy named James Milloway who's doing something called Zero Health. We're experimenting a little bit with that uh, with my own employees just to see how far can we take this concept of you don't pay anything um, and and how much healthier can we make people if we just take that burden and that concern and that worry about the financial aspect of their health care out of the picture. So um, I did want to mention that that um, there's some people out there, uh, you know, all the people that Kristen named uh, Joe Lamantia and Dave Chase. And, you know, th these are these are pioneers who really showed us all a different way. Um, but there's also some people, you know, that are in your world, you being one of them. But um, I'm finding that, you know, Mike Avenevoli with Higginbotham and um, Russ Edwards at FBS, these guys are really think looking at things differently for their clients. And that's actually helping all of us move ahead as well. So it sort of takes a village to get something as big as a paradigm shift in healthcare, which has just, you know, been such a... Um, we've all, we've always done it the same way for so long that, you know, I can't even, I can't even, um, remember, uh, in my training, there was no point at which anyone mentioned any kind of alternatives. Um, you know, Gitinder Goyle is a fabulous example of someone who just, you know, came up with a different, you know, idea and, and we're, we're all benefiting from them. So, you know, I'm grateful for all those people this, and this season. Yeah, it, it, you're you're so right. There had to be the the first wave of people that just got sick of the way it was and started making changes. And I believe that we're kind of coming around to the thought process now and the really the reality that we're the behemoth that is our healthcare system, our current US healthcare system. 
And that goes all the way across, including insurance companies, all of that. It's just too big a thing to conquer. We're not going to make real change there. So what we have to do instead is create a separate parallel healthcare system that works the way it should have to begin with, that takes the, you know, all the, the lobbying and the money and the everyone's just in that for profit, takes that out of the way. And now we're here with everything centered around the patient. That's right. Where it should have been. And that's exactly what you've done with your next level prime and really even your facilities. If someone's not on prime, one of the things that impressed me as well is guys go out to the next level urgent care website. If you want to know how much your visit is going to cost, it's right there. <laughs> there's, there's not going to be any surprises. You're going to know exactly what it is before you ever go uh, because the prices are posted right there on the website. And that sounds so, so ridiculous in healthcare, but it's so obvious in every other aspect of, you know, nobody shows up at a, at a without any, you know, any ability to research pricing on things um, in any other industry, but, but ours, it's, it's insane. It really is. It, it's very bizarre, you know, and going along that line, the, the godfather of uh, you know, cash price surgery, uh, Dr. Keith Smith, uh, mm -hmm. was going to attend today, but he's still got a house full of people from Christmas. So I gave him a pass, right? That's, that's okay. You got a whole bunch of people you still got from Christmas. I understand. And so I, I, he is definitely another one of the heroes that helped me. Of course, he is one of the co-founders of the free market medical association and helped bring me around to these thoughts, uh, uh stole my, uh, you know, I was, uh, uh, mind melded with the carriers and I didn't have any idea there was something else to do. And, he helped me see the light as it were. And that was a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. He's been on health and wealth power hour a few different times and uh, him and him and Jay Kempton have been great uh, mentors and, and leaders to help me understand how important it is for those concepts. So I really appreciate uh, you, Juliet, you're definitely one of the healthcare heroes and we certainly uh, really are, are, are so proud to be partnered with you guys to offer next level prime to our our members it's it's made a huge difference in so many people's lives already uh, even though we haven't been partners a super super long time we've been been partners for a while now and it's still the impact it's had on people's lives uh, I, i'll never forget the story of one of the very first people that went they they you know, had a little bit of trouble uh, trying to figure everything out. That's okay. We got you figured out. Okay. We got our appointment and they went to leave. And whenever they walked out of the doors, they just kind of stood at the front desk. And <laughs> finally it was like, well, can I help you? Like, well, we're just kind of waiting for the bill. You know, we're just, uh, we need to know how much it's going to cost. And like, no, there's no, oh, you're going to mail us the bill. No, no, there's not going to be a mail. That, that's it. And she said, wow, I've been there, not in the waiting room, but she had been there being taken care of for over 30 minutes. And they had done a number of things to help her out. And she was just blown away. She could not believe that all those services that she had received were truly included. Even though that's what we told her, <laughs> she still couldn't believe they were truly in included. And when, when they called us and told us this story, she was just, you could just tell how happy she was, how much joy it brought her to be able to get health care without all of those other 
concerns without all those other financial concerns, because that's what, that's why we have the problem of people saying it's too good to be true because it's such a different thing and it shouldn't be that way, but it is. Well, thank you so much, Harlan, for, you know, those kind words. And we've heard that story a lot. In fact, um, unless something crazy happens in the next five days, we will end 2023 without one customer not renewing. Every single customer that we have, we have 170 plus companies now using our services and uh, and everyone that came up for renewal this year, which we only have one year contracts. Uh, so pretty much everyone, they all renewed. And I think that that speaks louder than anything that this is something that people really, they value, they need, the employers um, love it for their employees because the employees uh, really feel like they're getting something like a real benefit. Uh, and, and that just makes, you know, it makes it, it makes us, it makes it great for us. I have to say, you know, people ask me about, you know, is this really good for your company? Can you really do, can you really have a successful, profitable company and do this? And the answer is, is yes, because you would not believe how much wasted time and effort there is in the process of just trying to collect on a bill. And when we don't have to do that, we can, we can use all of that, all of the, the, the savings from that and just put it toward the healthcare, which is really what we all should be doing in the first place. So it's, it's exciting times for us at next level to be proving out this concept. And we really hope that it becomes something that, you know, uh, really takes wing and uh, there's more uh, opportunity all over the place for seven day a week care uh, that doesn't cost anything for the patients. Now that that's a great point. So I want to give one quick thing because Juliet didn't toot her own horn on this, but when we talked about her just having those two days off a year and yesterday being one of them, <laughs> uh, the access to care that folks get through next level prime, well, through next level period, uh, even if you're a prime member or you're not, those clinics are open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week. Uh, once again, only closed two days a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. Other than that, you have in-person access to health care. But there is inc also included in that membership is virtual care 24-7 and also behavioral health. Uh, it is and it's not just your regular primary care as well. It's advanced primary care that also includes uh, extra things like a nutritionist. If you need someone to help you make those changes, it's not about throwing medicines at you. It's not about writing you a script every time you show up. It's about helping you uh, make, change your behaviors, change things in your lifestyle to help you become a healthier individual. And I just can't imagine a company that wouldn't want to offer those type benefits to their employees. Because as you mentioned earlier, Juliet, that's true benefits. That's true access to health care. That's right. All right. Thank you so very much for being here. Thank you for being a healthcare hero. It is time to move on to the Dr's Musa. I'll tell you what, you talk about a great episode of the Health and Wealth Power Hour. If you want to listen to a joyful, just full of love and praise, then you need to listen to the uh, Health and Wealth Power Hour from a couple of weeks ago with the Doctors Musa. We had a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, we talked about their journey. He's going to tell us a little bit about that today as well. But I want to welcome aboard the Doctors Musa, 
Hussein and Adetan Musa, thank you so much for being here. The work that y'all are doing is incredible. Y'all are truly two of the great healthcare heroes, not just in San Antonio, but all the way across the nation, sir. Well, thank you so much. I definitely feel very blessed to be here. And this has been extremely inspiring to hear from colleagues who share a very similar vision. Uh, myself, I trained as an anesthesiologist, pain doctor, and addiction medicine specialist. So I'm, I might be not the typical primary care person. However, I think every physician, every specialist sees the need uh, for health care. And for us, it was really a turning point because we believe that God has blessed us so much. It started out with a simple desire to give back to our community. My end goal was always to just build a whole bunch of pain practices, make a bunch of time in the distant future when, you know, money didn't matter to me anymore. But in the process, when my wife and I started a free clinic in 2018, uh, we decided that we just want to provide care for people. And we simply started with counseling, healthcare counseling, prayer, medication refills, and physical exams. We started off um, doing that on the weekends, and it quickly grew. What we found is that a lot of people do not have access to health care. And when they do access the health care system, there's often a lack of compassion, especially in the underserved communities, where it gets to the point where they don't want to seek care. And I'll share a brief story with everybody. Um, it was about in 2018. You know, I'm, I'm a pain doctor, and we saw all sorts of complaints. So when one of our volunteers told me there was a patient with leg pain, I decided, great, leg pain. That's, that's my specialty. I can take care of this. So I walked into the room. I start to see the patient, and then I start to smell the patient. And I walked over to his leg, and it was covered in this discolored whitish greenish band-aid, and it was, honestly, was looking gangrenous. So my physician facade kind of cracked, and I gasped, and I did what any doctor would do. I got a second opinion. <laughs> so I got the other Dr. Musa to take a look, and she was quite horrified as well. And I simply asked him, why did you wait so long to seek care? And the problem is he didn't. Um, a couple months prior, he went to the emergency room and they gave him, they treated him for cellulitis, gave him some antibiotics and sent him on his way and told him to follow up with his primary care provider. Now, this cycle repeated itself a couple times and his treatment at the ER basically left him at the point where he decided he wouldn't go back there again. The issue is he's a diabetic and his leg mm. never got better. And unfortunately, he does what a lot of, what a lot of people do. He hopes that it would. Ju he just hoped that it would go away. And after we saw him and counseled him and told him what was going on, we assured him that when he goes back to the hospital, they will see him, and he'd likely need an amputation. And that story really stuck with me because I was I was upset as a we're in Texas and the United States of America, one of the wealthiest places in the world. And you have somebody with their leg falling off because they don't have access to a $4 medication. And for me, that was really a turning point. I didn't realize that it would start me out on this process. But here we are. My wife and I were 
focus on building our nonprofit healthcare system, the Kingdom Healthcare System, to provide affordable access to care for those in need. And it's amazing to see all the leaders on this call who have walked this path and are doing amazing things. And I believe that when we bring this to underserved communities, working as a nonprofit as well, we're going to reach a lot more people. And I don't have to see that story again. Yeah, that is, that's amazing in so many ways that it, it reached to that point, kind of like what you said, it reached to that point, but that it had the impact on you that it did. And, and what I'll, what I mean by that is there is, I mean, you're a physician, you've seen things that, you know, we don't want you to tell us about. Uh, but th what I mean by that is you very well could have just said, that's just one of those things. That's just, that's just the way it is and continued on without letting it have the impact it did on both you and Editone to say, Hey, we can do something about this, but you did. And, and that's, that's the amazing part of this story to me is that you didn't just accept it as the way it is, but you said, we've got to do something about it. Yes. I remember you said this healthcare um, giant is a behemoth, but I believe that we have the ability to slay these giants and that as physicians, there's been, we've underwent so much training, so much hardships. And the reality is it's really up to us to systematically change things and not turn a blind eye and not accept the status quo. And it starts with just one person, then two people. And what we're seeing here is the, is the fruit of when somebody makes a decision that we can do better. And I believe that we're only beginning because our healthcare system, we're, if you haven't noticed, we're on a death spiral. Um, it's completely unsustainable. But what we can change is the access to health care, that health insurance is not health care. And a lot of people are deceived. They believe that their health insurance is providing health care and it is not and it will not and will continue to provide less and less as time goes on. So our vision is to create um, safe havens for patients who don't have traditional access to health care to receive health care so they don't need emergency services, so their health doesn't spiral. And I truly believe that my wife and I will help put an end to this disease management model of medicine. Every model is designed to get the results that it gets. And we work in a disease management model where the sickest patients generate the most revenue, so we allow patients, unfortunately, to get to the point where they need the most expensive device, where this patient did not need to have an amputation. What he needed was a year's worth of basic primary care, nutrition, and education. Yeah, what what a crazy thought, right? How about let's not just uh, start start operating, but start changing uh, the basic way this individual's living. The basic why don't give him some of the basic needs that he has to get him on a pathway to become healthy instead of automatically thinking surgery. I mean, how often do we see that nowadays that that's, that's the answer, right? But part of what you were saying is that's where the money's at. So if I'm going to make more money as whether it's a physician or a healthcare system or an insurance company or whoever it is, we're going to make more money with this being the end result. Unfortunately, our system is designed right now to go that direction. Uh, but 
what if we looked at it the other way, right? What if we looked at it in a very different way to make sure that what is happening is the very best for the patient themselves? Uh, I've heard, you know, going back to something, you would think that it wouldn't be a big deal, right? But if you, uh, there's a lot of doctors on this call, so you guys get this, but I can remember multiple times, uh, Kristen Dickerson telling me, yeah, we look at what the order's for because there's many times that the order that is sent is not even going to provide the, the details or the information that they're going to need. They've ordered the wrong imaging. Think about that. They've ordered the wrong imaging with contrast, without, it, you know, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. What they've ordered is not going to give them the results. Well, what's, what's going to happen then? What's going to happen is they're going to have to request another image. Maybe the one that was there to begin with, or maybe the wrong one again. So now you have this waste that's going on and this patient is going through these multiple images that we won't even go down the path. Cause I know Kristen would, would talk, could tell us all day about the crazy price differences between all the different imaging. That's just ridiculous. But the fact that the wrong image is requested in so many cases, I think is, is nuts too. Why would that happen? I just, I don't understand why it, it, it can't be right to begin with, but at the same time, you said something, Dr. Musa, that I don't think happens enough. And it's almost as a, as a patient now, we don't take advantage of when I believe we should every single time. And that is a second opinion. You had someone, the other Dr. Musa, right there, able to give you that second opinion. But you even asked for it. But right now, as a patient, so many of us do not even ask for that second opinion because we don't want to upset our doctor. And if that's the reason why you're asking that, then that's a shame on you. And if your doctor gets upset for you asking, that's a shame on them. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's no doctor out there that I know that if they got a big negative diagnosis that wouldn't get a second opinion. I think you're 100% correct on this. And in our current healthcare model, it's not sustainable because information is accelerating. Everybody has access to information. And um, for better or worse, the COVID pandemic has changed the relationship that people have with medical information and medical professionals. So there is a lot more boldness in terms of demanding more information from your care provider. And it's not really a bad thing. No, it's not. I mean, information, if you don't have enough information, if a doctor doesn't have enough information, they can't help you. You know, we talked about this on our, uh, on our podcast because of the divide that has, but over the last three plus years, the divide that has happened between folks and doctors in many cases, not trusting doctors for whatever reason, we can get through politics. We can get through whatever doesn't make any difference. People don't share. And if this has always been the case, so it was the case before COVID too. People don't always share all the facts with their doctor until they have to. And that means that many times a doctor can't give you a proper diagnosis because of what you just said, Dr. Musa. They don't have all the information. If you would have just told me this one other thing was happening as well, I would have known it probably wasn't this, it was this, but we went down this pathway because you didn't share with me. <laughs> That's 
why I believe the healthcare model that my wife is championing um, with direct specialty care, it invites a relationship, a healing relationship between the physician and the patient. And as this education um, flows, patients feel more comfortable with their physician and you get to the root cause of the issues. And it's hard to do that in seven minutes, which is a traditional amount of time for a specialty appointment. So as I'm working more toward building the nonprofit sector, changing access to healthcare, my wife is changing the expectations of specialty care. And for example, she started the Kingdom Healing Institute, which is a direct specialty practice for neurology. And what we found is that one, we're learning a lot about marketing as physicians because we went to med school, not, not business school. But, <laughs> but the good news is that there is such a need that patients find us from Houston, from Austin, from Laredo, because on average, it takes about four months to see a neurologist. No matter what your insurance is, no matter how much money you are, you have, there's just not the opportunity. And once they see a specialist for more than seven minutes, on average, her appointments are um, close to an hour, they can't go back to the status quo. They felt safe, they felt heard, and they left with a plan. And when they call the office, they can even speak to the doctor in less than 24 hours. So it's revolutionary, this this whole concept of access to health care. No, it, it really is. Uh, I want to tell another quick story about that. I have a client that is on the next level prime and her phone was acting up and she, she was not able to access the app. It had nothing to do with the app, but it was, her phone was acting up. And I said, well, call this number. And it's the number for the, the care team. Well, she called that number and her, her text back. In fact, I shared this with uh, Rafiq is she goes, wow, they were quick. Why? A real person answered the phone. What a novel concept, right? How about calling a doctor's office and a real person answers and you don't get lost in a tree and you never actually get to somebody? How frustrating is that? Same experience they have whenever they they call you guys, uh, Dr. Musa. You're going to get somebody. You're going to get a real person. What a crazy thing, huh? How about calling the doctor and actually talking to somebody? <laughs> it's it's absolutely amazing. But I believe what we're doing for healthcare, it's needed. And I encourage everyone to take a look at our nonprofit. We're in the infant stages, and I'm probably going to reach out to people on this call because you guys are a wealth of information. So I'd just like to thank everybody for your dedication to changing healthcare and answering the call. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you and Atatone for being uh, such great leaders in this in this uh, whole change of mindset. Uh, the direct primary care thing uh, is a big deal, but the direct specialty care is just as important because that is just another way that we have to to really make change for people to understand uh, that they can get that true access to healthcare. All right, so we got a few more minutes. If uh, uh, if anyone would like to ask any questions, some of their healthcare heroes are, I would love to have you come up on stage. There is a button down at the bottom where you can click on to raise your hand and I'll be happy to bring you up on stage to share your thoughts. We have a gentleman that has been, uh, I'm not sure if he's been trying to get up on stage, but he's been, had his hand raised through most of the show. So I'm not sure if that's what he really wants to do, but I'll go ahead and bring him up for just a moment.
Yes, can you hear me? Yes, sir. So thank you so much for holding this session. It really, um, it, it uh, warms my heart. I'm not a practitioner, uh, a, a GP, whatever, but I'm really, my heart is with you and with, uh, I think also to reframe the word, of course, uh, heroes is it's a strong word, but I, I truly believe on, on the word guide because I think the most important is also to foster autonomy and uh, awareness to uh, any human being that want to, uh, to, um, to improve uh, their health. And you are true about the time that we have at uh, our disposal as a patient for consulting a doctor. And uh, I'm, we are all, you are also true about the second opinion. That's also important. And it's it, when I heard the story of uh, this poor guy for a leg uh, to cut, I was really also um, uh, sad because it could have been happened to me 20 years ago. I, I was also having eczema at that time, and I was not uh, consulting any uh, any doctor. Why? Because I was uh, workless and I was having not a lot of money. And it came to uh, my dad to visit me to see my state, to see, to uh, push me to, uh, to, to go visit the doctor. So it's, it's really, uh, and also I want to applaud each of you and including Dr. New. Uh, she has also certainly a lot to say. She's really empathic. And uh, that's why I, I shared this event to Dr. New. So I'm, I'm done. I dropped the mic and thank you so much for what you are doing. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your insight on that. We certainly uh, appreciate it. All right, uh, Dr. Trong has asked to come up. We will bring you up on stage. I saw you had your hand up earlier. So uh, be happy to, to hear uh, what your thoughts on this are. Thank you so much, Harlan, uh, Juliet, Christine. Uh, and is it? Oh my goodness! I'm trying to pronounce uh, Dr. Musa's first name. <laughs> is it uh, Hussein? Yeah, Hussein. Is it Hussein? Hussein. Yes. Hussein. Hussein. <laughs> but but you did Musa perfectly. <laughs> oh well, thank you. And um, I really want to not only greet everyone, happy holidays to all the healthcare heroes, and I think in a hero's um, perspective. I want to give thanks to all, not only our, you know, the patient advocacy, the nurse um, that are on the floor, boots on the ground, um, just even without entitled, like entitlement or in any degree, but I think your love and passion to help our patients and our community is what I really want to give a, a thankful for not only, you know, our near and far of our communities um, and just another thing that I see a common theme here is that there are so many, there is negative in our industry that we need help on, but I also see the positivity that we need to amplify those who are like in this room and, and providing the above beyond because we want to treat our patients and our community like our own family, like our brothers, sisters like our mothers, our grandmother, our kid. And I think because having that perceptions that you're not taking care of just another patient, another person, you go above and beyond to care for one another and the prayers. So the powerful of also not only in the Western you know, 
you know, world that we live in now and then globally around the world, but also in a holistic approach of treating someone in a, not only physical body, mind, body, soul, and spiritually. And I think that is where our next level, and I see some of, you know, the innovations and things that are being brought because one of the things that not only personally in a professional world, in a mental health status that someone would have commit suicide attempt two times. The first time she came back from a really bad toxic work environment in a health and wellness realm. So when you think of, you know, healthcare, you would think that you have more empathy knowing that humanity exists, but there are sad situations that calls for those who are in the silo or struggling that, you know, they don't feel heard or, you know, like not being acknowledged because whatever life happened, it not it's not the intentions of not showing up whoever at that moment in time. And I think that giving people some grace and finding out what's going on further, I think also help our treatment modalities and how we treat one another and really make that impactful. And I really want to just say the bottom of my heart, thank you for each and every single one here for making a positive impact and making our world a better place, just one person at a time and one baby step at a time. Well, thank you very much for those great comments. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. All right. We got some more folks that want to get up on here. Um, Ms. Lindale, I'm going to go ahead and bring you up on the stage and you can share your thoughts. So I was just saying, my name is Alita, and I was saying it's it's this all really resonates with me. And thank you so much for putting this together because um, I was contracted by a group of practitioners in the medical field throughout various different parts of the industry. Oddly enough, just probably six weeks before the pandemic hit, and they were all everybody I was dealing with was in New York, and so you know I spent a pretty intense two-year period of time building out new business models and new designs and putting people out into the telehealth platforms and building out strategies and doing operations for now how do we you know develop programs for people to work out of office and still hold all of the operational systems together so it was a pretty intense time but i love that one of the things that came out of that is a lot of these new designs that are more humanitarian based and i think everybody now has this profound realization of not just what can be done and what can be built and designed but um, to, you know, to a lot of the doctor's points that I heard here today, it was also hugely uh, mind-blowing to me in regards to the insurance companies, the gauntlets that have to be gone through, the billing companies, you name it. Um, it was just, again, really educational from all aspects. And I commend everybody on here who's doing new build and design and layout and got creative with it. And I have reached because I would love to connect with a lot of you just because, you know, we need to expand more of this undoubtedly. And I also agree with the previous speaker's point about integrated medicine. And I think, um, you know, more practitioners are starting to grow awareness about that and holistic modalities are starting to get brought into the equation too um, versus just emergency care. I think that preventative care is starting to 
um, be something that's on the horizon and the forefront for sure too. So just thank you. Thanks everybody for, you know, being who you are and for fighting the good fight out there. Yeah. Thank you so much. That That's great comments there. It, it's an interesting thought process that if you, first of all, I'm kind of being tongue in cheek there, that if you do your primary care and you take care of yourself, that there'll be less chronic conditions and bigger bill things later. But we were so anti-preventative medicine in so many ways. I mean, you know, it, it, it's the access to it that becomes the big deal. When people don't have it, they just won't go to the doctor. So much so that 61% of the people in this country will not go to the doctor unless they're sick right now. So that just tells us that, that the, the focus on primary care is not where it should be. Because if they were getting the primary care that they needed, we wouldn't have 61% that are not going to the doctor unless they're sick. It's it's what people keep saying, right? It's sick care instead of true access to health care. All right, Greg, uh, it is your turn, buddy. Greg, thank you for uh, uh, being here today. Uh, make sure you, you unmute yourself there and take it away, brother. Harlan, thanks again for hosting the program and thanks to all of you on the panel. My question is more of a practical one because uh, we know there's a better way. And what's frustrating, I think, a lot of us in this space is why employers aren't beating down our door for something better. Why we're letting the existing brokers who've guided them properly, not very properly over the years, still rule the roost. So I guess I'm interested in, and this is a long question and we're not going to solve it here today, but just future programs to how do we actually approach the employers and the brokers and this whole market and have them beat on our door to get what we have to offer as opposed to us seemingly having to tug and pull to have to understand there's a better way. Now that's a great question and you're right. That's a whole episode on its own, but, but I will tell you from, you know, just knowing the folks that I've been around my entire career, there is a, so let me, let me, put it to you this way. There's a group of probably 50 ish of us that we all worked together. Whenever I kind of first came into this organization in 2014 that I worked with for a number of years of all the 50 of us that are say still doing this now, I'm the only one doing this, doing something different. Everyone else is still stuck in the system. And every single one of those people that I still talk to today think I'm out of my damn mind. They all think I have lost my gourd because I'm over here doing stuff that I'm not getting paid by insurance companies to do. That's the mindset because the insurance companies are the good guys to them. We know better. I know better. Uh, they don't even want me to talk about it. <laughs> they don't even want me to share stories. They don't want that because they would rather stay lost in their world. And in many cases, many of them are doing very, very financially well, staying lost in that world. My conscience will not let me do that. It's just the same conscience that didn't let Dr. Musa turn away and say that's just the way it is when he had that gentleman that could didn't have to have his leg amputated. That Whenever I started seeing what was going on, I knew I could not live in that system anymore. I could not promote that anymore. It was not right. 
it was not health care because as it was mentioned earlier, health insurance and health care are not the same thing, but I believed it was too, because I didn't know any better, but that's a, it's about getting paid, Greg, from the broker point, it's about getting paid. And for an employer, the unfortunate thing, and I'll say this because I know this is the absolute truth. If you don't get to someone who thinks strategically in that company, and that's typically above the HR position, then you're not going to go anywhere because uh, a mantra for HR is no one ever got fired for choosing Blue Cross Blue Shield. No one ever got fired for choosing United Healthcare. No one gets fired in the HR if you stay with the same old, same old. Status quo means I have a job next year as well. The price keeps going up. There's nothing we can do about that. We know better than that. The folks on this call know better than that. But in the HR world, they don't think strategically. They just think about, I'm not going to get near as much noise or pushback if we stay with what we've always done. So that's just a couple of the reasons why it happens that way. But there's there, that, that is a whole world to go into as well. Okay. Um, I know we're at time, folks. So if someone's got to leave, I understand. We're going to keep on going because people want to talk. But even uh, those of you uh, that have been here, Dr. Breeze, uh, Dr. Dickerson, Dr. Musa, I, I told you guys it was only going to be an hour. If y'all have to step away, that's fine. We're going to keep going so people can uh, talk about what they uh, want to on the, their, their heroes and such and any comments that they have. Uh, we are going to record this, so it will be available afterwards as well. So we're going to bring on Atatone now. So thank you for being here today. I'm going to let you come up on the stage, Atatone, and share your thoughts as well. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you specifically, um, Harlan Pickett, for putting all this together. I, I want to apologize for my voice. I got a Christmas gift of an upper respiratory infection. So I've been kind of laying low, but getting better. But I'm so excited to just see so many like-minded people on this call. Um, I think that there definitely is a change coming in the uh, healthcare system, um, specifically um, more geared towards patient-centered care. And I can speak in the perspective of a physician, of a doctor, of a caregiver. And once you um, really adopt a complete paradigm shift and you're really able to see the patient as a person um, and address all of their healthcare needs holistically, meaning uh, that you're not just looking at the disease process, you're not looking at the laboratory data alone, but you're also looking at well, why is it this person isn't taking their medications or why isn't it that they've, they haven't seen a doctor in 10 years? You're able to get to the root cause and that patient is able to experience transformation. And on top of that, it's so rewarding to the physician himself because a lot of physicians, including myself, have really suffered from a lot of burnout going through the machine of the healthcare industry it's not patient-centered. It's not about transformation. It's not about healing. It's really about the bottom line. And um, this, this whole healthcare revolution, it also transforms the caregiver. It transforms the provider, the physician as well. That is, that's, the, that's one of the key elements to uh, reintroducing compassion and empathy back into the system. That's one of the ways that we are going to fix this problem is addressing the burnout and the lack of empathy as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100. Uh, percent You know, I, I'll. This is kind of a funny deal. We're very lucky to have had the burnout that we have. Uh, just hold on a second, because we wouldn't have the huge move to direct primary care and direct specialty care <laughs> that we have without it. So there is a positive of the negative of this system, and that is it is really getting a number of doctors to move into the new way of thinking and, and running their practices so that we can actually have access to healthcare. Uh, I, I feel horrible that, that doctors have had to go through that. That is not what they signed up for to begin with, but the positive side of it is that we are getting more and more doctors that move away from the traditional system and are really uh, embracing the different models to help us truly get access to healthcare. So I hear exactly, and, and you guys are, are two of them, uh, Dr. Musa, you're, you're two of them. And it, what y'all are doing is amazing. And you're, uh, it, it's very interesting that when people that I've even shared with, yeah, uh, there's here in San Antonio, we have a direct specialty care neurologist. I can say, what? It's hard enough to find a regular neurologist, much less a direct specialty care neurologist. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're an endangered species. So I'll try <laughs> to recruit more med students into the into the field for sure. All right. Thank you very much for your comments. All right. So Martha would like to speak as well. I just wanted to quickly add too on this topic, most people don't realize, but the majority of the hospitals out there are running on a software called Epic. And Epic yep. is a billing software. It's not a patient care software. And so again, you know, it's all those little things as we go along and we learn um, about our systems that are kind of telling the sign, telltale signs. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, if if you pay attention to the news at all, that system's been in the news quite a bit. So it's uh, <laughs> I'll just I'll just let I'll just leave it there so you can go out and Google Epic and find out um, what's going on with that. <laughs> all right, Daryl, I'm going to bring you back up again, buddy, and see if you can connect this time. All right, there you are. Just to unmute yourself and take it away, buddy. Hey, good morning, Harlan. I appreciate you uh, having me here. Um, really enjoying myself listening to everyone in the room, learning a lot about healthcare, learning a lot about um, what's going on here in the market. And um, just want to wish everybody a, a happy holiday. Um, you know, Christmas being yesterday was such a such a great time to just relax and, uh, and, you know, just being with family. Um, unfortunately we have to get back to the business of business and, um, and coming to, you know, listen to your, your, um, your audio room is always a, a welcome pleasure for me. So I'm going to say well, thank, thank you for that. Thank you very much. I sure appreciate that, sir. Uh, you know, the, the pathway that you're on as well as helping folks get away from some of those traditional ways that they access their medications, uh, some of those traditional PBMs, that's an important piece of this as well. So I appreciate what you do as well, brother. 
Well, you know, for us, it's not only trying to deal with businesses, but it's we've got an access for individuals to, to be able to uh, to access health care. And I think that's the biggest thing that we can do for people. Um, I was a firefighter for, you know, 32 years and I went in people's homes and I saw people at their worst. And we think just providing access is, is the great thing. And it is. But a lot of people don't want to go to the hospital. They don't want to go to the doctor. People are right. afraid a lot of times. And we have to con- we had to convince a lot of people. I had a lady who was having a heart attack. She did not want to go. We had we we had to sign her as a you know as a as a uh, as a firefighter. You you could sign people over when we know that they're going to die. And uh, uh, the lady, you know, she she did die. But she was having a heart attack, but she did not want to leave. And we were fighting with her for probably 10 minutes trying to get her to go to the hospital. Um, but those are those are real. Those happen every day. And, um, you know, but I think making it available to people, having access to the hospital, having not to worry about paying for, you know, your visit to the hospital takes a lot off a, a lot of people and um, and. You know, it comes down to what our company, it's it's about medication. You know, there's certain drugs that you get, it's going to, you know, it's going to cost you a lot of money. But if we can change that, if we can let people know that here are a list of drugs that when you show up to the pharmacy to pick them up, they're not going to cost you a dime. And, and for me, that was what sold me with this company. This is the reason why. You know, I came out of retirement from uh, after retiring from being a firefighter that that brought me to this company because I I understand that. I understand that people, if they don't have access to their 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 health care, they don't have access to medication, they're not going to take it because they just, you know, they they just don't think it's that important um, for them to have to lose what they have already to take a drug. And uh, and to say it to um, to say, but it's the truth. So, um, but I want to yep, thank you again, absolutely. Harlan. Yeah, um, for thank having you, me. Thank on. you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right, Sam Silva. <laughs> Sam, come on up on stage, buddy. Tell us what you got to share today. Oh, is it okay if I jump in really quick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Martha. So um, I'm an advocate. I've been doing it for a couple months, actually, on the telehealth side. Um, so I am pretty knowledgeable in that area. Um, I don't know if anyone brought up, I did come in late, social determinants of health. Um, this is something that's really big that I don't really hear a lot of conversation about. Um, so this probably be for another conversation. Um, but... What I'm doing on currently, I just did a pilot program here in Houston where I actually went out to our low income families and also our homeless community members and provided services such as providing resources. People don't go to the hospitals or clinics because of the support they're receiving. They're also not asking for help. Uh, Some of them either to language barriers, some of them because they're just, they don't have the knowledge or the, the voice. Most of them I've come across is they don't have a voice. 
And so that's where I've been coming in as an advocate and helping them get from point A to point B. There's also resources for medications. There's programs where they actually provide grants to patients who are diabetic, who have a cancer diagnosis, or they actually will pay for all their medications. And so these are services that people don't know. And these are services also that facilities such as healthcare systems are not really providing unless social workers are involved. So just wanted to give my two cents. Uh, thank you for having this event. Absolutely. Yeah. Very important work that you're doing as well. I'm sure that you can have some great conversations with the doctors. Musa. Yeah, I can see Adetan giving a thumbs up over there. Uh, that's, that's exactly the same uh, pathway they are on, except they do it from the physician side as offering uh, free services. They're putting together, uh, literally putting together a healthcare system to provide our healthcare network and system to provide those services to the the folks that cannot usually get them in a very easy way. So I would highly recommend that y'all connect afterwards. And I also want to connect with you, Martha, to see how we can help you as well. All right. Uh, let me see here. Sam had jumped up on stage. So Sam, go ahead and share your comments, sir. All right. Thank you, uh, Martha, for the delightful uh, information. I mean, it's very, very important that what you do. And also Holland, I mean, taking a step and uh, being the, the lead on these things and uh, what you mentioned earlier that people are crazy thinking that you are stepping in without getting anything um, back. But I think what you do is kind of resonating among all of us. Um, the industry itself, it's not delivering what they promise. I took a drastic step during the last couple of months and that has worked out well right now. Uh, the what I call this insurance tyrants, I call them tyrants. They dictate certain, certain things to their, you know, um, the, the, the downlines or the agents who try to deliver uh, the services to the client. And, but they don't look in the perspective of client's perspective, whether they are helping the member, whether they are helping the needs of the member. They are capitalizing basically on the, uh, the money side of things. Uh, the industry is, is huge. This is the only stable industry in the country. Um, I'm more focused on the Medicare side of things because the Medicare, as you know, it's pumping out over $300 billion a year. This is the fact. That's the minimum number I'm talking about. $300 billion a year to pay off all these insurance companies, United, Humana, Aetna, Wellcare. Uh, you know, long as you have a member, they pay you monthly slubs into uh, the insurance company. So the huge money is rolling. That's why everybody want to put their claw in. They want to remain in the, um, in the, in the industry. Um, we have to find a way that we can utilize this amount of money and uh, transmit that into a more of patient use care. Um, so that what I was wanted to you know, let you know. Uh, I'm a fighter. I mean, if you need a right hand anytime, count me on. I'm there for you. All right. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it, the, the way that they have it set up now on, you know, you really have no choice but to get on Medicare whenever you get Medicare age. It makes it very difficult for people to even have options at, at that time. So that's a that's a tough fight. It's a place where we've got to do a lot of work because they're 
there's not other options right now. You're, you're pretty much, no. you, you qualify for Medicare, you got no choice but to get on it because no one else will even provide yeah. you any type of coverage. Yeah, true. Yeah, so it's a pretty tough deal. All right. Next, we have um, Mrs. Uh, Tiffany Jones-Smith. I'll tell you what, I just saw that the president and CEO of the Texas Kidney Foundation wanted to get up on stage, and I'm like, please, please come and share what you have with us today, uh, Ms. Smith-Jones. What? Thank you, uh, Jones smith Thank you so much for being here today, and uh, please unmute yourself and share your thoughts. Hi, uh, I'm Tiffany, and I, I just want to say first, Thank you for letting me speak. And uh, thank you to the Doctors Musa because um, they have been monumental in what we are doing. One of your previous speakers said that, that uh, she hadn't heard anybody talk about social determinants of health. Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm going to tell you who, a little bit about who I am and what we do. Uh, at the Texas Kidney Foundation, we offer free early detection screenings for chronic kidney disease because we know that kidney disease is a silent killer. You don't feel bad until it is bad. Um, and the reason why I do this is because uh, I've lost to date 16 family members to rare and chronic kidney disease. Wow. And uh, there is no... pushed you harder to fight a disease than your family dying around you from it. So one, that's why we offer the free early detection. And two, um, it's so that people can, can do preventative care so that we can help them find the next steps. And I will tell you that what you're saying about uh, social determinants of health, we started looking into that from the beginning. We've done over 20,000 free screenings uh, in the great state of Texas and found the disease in 34.6% of the people that we've screened. So we know that it's there, but we've also found that uh, when you talk to people and treat them like human beings and give them options and choices, that they will rise to the occasion and take care of their health, but they're not being given those options by the medical community. So I really love integrative medicine because you all, you all are the wave of the future. You are what we need. And the, the uh, physician before this that spoke about um, the social determinants of health and giving people a voice, we are giving them a voice, but we need you also. And the way that we change this is legislatively. We've pushed some legislation. We are the reason why uh, immunosuppressants are covered. And that took 20 years. But when we came in, prayed up and played up, we changed that. So I say to you, all of you physicians who are trying to change this, we are on your side. And there are others like us. And let me tell you something, we walk into these spaces with heaven and our heaven will put down the hell of this system. I'll tell you what, that that's very powerful. And thank you so much for those words of encouragement to these physicians as well. And, you know, I, I want to give just a moment here for the folks that are already up on stage. 
if anyone has any comment they'd like to make in response uh, to what Tiffany had to say, I'm, I'm certainly just going to kind of pause for just a moment and allow anyone just, you know, you unmute yourself and uh, respond if you'd like to. Uh, certainly no pressure there, but if you'd like to respond, then you certainly can. I'll just say that um, I agree with the powerhouse, Tiffany Jones-Smith, um, that we are the ones that are ho housing this change and this revolution. And um, Mr. Harlan, you had mentioned that the healthcare system is a behemoth. Um, it, it is. It's a giant. It seems like something that will never change, that it's just impossible to change. But there's nothing impossible for those that believe and they believe in what they've been put on this earth to do. And I, uh, both, both me and, and Dr. Hussein Musa, we wholeheartedly believe that we've been put on this earth to do just that, to revolutionize um, healthcare. Um, and it's so encouraging to see other like-minded people to join forces with. I want to okay. add that, um, um, is it um, eight, 82? I don't know if I, I pronounced you right, but is Adeton. that right? Editon, yeah. Uh, Editon? Yeah. yeah, and um, just I know the, the burnout of healthcare and as a whole, it's the system that's making, you know, all the heart centers that are just so wiped out and some of them has been numb to the system. And I think that's where we as a collective joining force and saying, you know, just remind those who are in it are still, you know, riding this, either try to be uh, making that shift change. And I know that Harlan was saying, you know, when he first started, it was a group of, I think he said it was 50 and now it's only him. And then most of them were thinking he's crazy. Um, but I think that's where the crazy, that they think that it's crazy, too big of a task to go against. But just think of what changes are you able to make, to inspire, to help others, to give hope that there is hope in this space of healing, not just in um, in a world of, you know, want a quick fix, right? Fast pace and everything just one and now, now, now. But I think just giving people that that space and to say, I heard you, I you know, we feel for you. And then that, that way they have the leap of faith to also move into their their passions and their purpose and remember why they got into it in the first place. Because imagine all the ones that are leaving and, and going to totally opposite field and not even in the healthcare space. And I know a lot of people are, but that that is just imagine what would happen to our next generations, our, our elderly patients who are left behind having that burden of the patient. So I think having the the willpower to push through for a higher purpose than your own. Um, so just want to say kudos to everyone. And Harlan, you're doing so amazing. I know every one of us here are cheering you on. Yeah. And just the power of collectively raising our voice and helping our patients as if it was our family and thinking outside of the box, what else is there? Not just um, 
one way of doing things and being open mind and work together. And I think that's powerful. And thank you for all you do. Well, thank you very much. Thank you guys for all being here today. Uh, any Anyone that's up on the stage right now, if you have any closing comments that you would like to make, certainly welcome that opportunity. Okay, Greg, I see that you unmuted. Go ahead, buddy. Well, I'm going to take a little unpopular stance maybe. And um, I don't see Juliet and Kristen and Hussein whining about being burned out and saying that there's nothing they can do about this and they're tired of the system. Us physicians need to take leadership in this space. I always felt what made me a good doc is not the test that I ordered is when I know I didn't need to order tests and I cared about a patient's total life, including their financial responsibilities. Um, I read this a while back, Carlin, and it was, uh, there's a difference between country club brawls and backroom brawls. You know, backroom brawls might be fighting for your life. Country club brawls are when you're all making good hay, but you're whining and arguing over the, how much money you're gonna get. Us physicians make a darn good living off people. And I understand there's, I was in practice for 32 years. I understand the pressures that exist. But if you don't like what you're doing, do something else. If you feel like the hospital system's bearing down on you, then do something else. Uh, physicians need to stand up and lead and not hide behind the fact that there's so many systems against this. I, I really appreciate people supporting physicians and comments, and I understand it's a difficult job. But the part of the answer is physicians stepping up and being leaders and not you know, saying, well, I'm just going to brawl over the, how much money I'm making as opposed to there's a better way. It's a gift to be a physician. It's an honor to be a physician. Uh, we need to remember that and do what's right for our patients. And this, we're all part of this healthcare system that we made it, lots of money off of. There's a better way to do it. And Harlan, you've said it yourself. You could be one of those brokers that's doing it the other way. Um, but you say you, your conscience doesn't let you do that. Why don't more physicians stand up and, and, and lead instead of sitting back and saying, well, why isn't someone making my life easier? I have to say, I love your comment. Um, those yeah. golden handcuffs that you have to unlock yourself um, to do what you know needs to be done. And they can be very heavy golden handcuffs, but but they are gold, <laughs> but they're still handcuffs. And I love what you're saying. Um, you're preaching to the choir right here. And it really is a, it's a step of faith. And I believe that if we, if not you, then who? And that's why we're doing this has been five years ups and downs. And I know that God is doing amazing work in the kingdom healthcare system. And this year, the, the best is yet to come. So thank you all so much. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Musa, I, I, guys, I cannot tell you how much better I sleep at night and how much better I feel not being chained to a big insurance company knowing that if I don't get paid by them, uh, you know, I can't pay my bills. It is, it is such a beautiful thing to not have to be, uh, you know, beholden to things that I don't believe in that it, it, it just makes a, a huge difference. You know, one of the things that I have said over and over is that our healthcare system isn't broken. It works. Ex it's working exactly the way that the people that designed it designed it to work. It's enriching those it was designed to enrich and it's bankrupting those it was designed to bankrupt. But one of the pieces, and you just mentioned it, Greg, one of the pieces that people don't realize that what I'm talking about in bankruptcy is not just the monetary bankruptcy, but the moral bankruptcy that happens to physicians and happens to clinicians, not just on the, not just physicians, but nurses and all the folks across the board that cannot practice medicine the way that they 
want to practice medicine because of the restraints that are put on them by the system at hand. Uh, as was talked about earlier, how can you get done what needs to be done as a specialist in seven minutes? How can you do that? It, it's just not going to work the way you want it to. So the biggest issue, which the moral bankruptcy then leads to the burnout we talked about earlier, this is all part of it. This is part of what this healthcare system has done. And so it makes it so very difficult to, to really go through this. So do, does any, do any of the rest of you guys have any other comments to make? I mean, I know this has been a great show. We, we are 30 minutes over the time that I allotted for it. And I appreciate all of you hanging with us that have hung with us. I think there's been some great comments, some wonderful uplifting of one another. What a wonderful community we have of healthcare heroes that have taken the time out of their day after Christmas to, to really share that love and joy with one another. But is there anybody else up on the stage right now that wants to share anything? I see that Ollie wants to have one more comment. So I'll go ahead and bring you back up. If it'll, if it'll let me, I'll, I'll see if I can bring you up here. Okay. And it did. Uh, Tiffany, I saw that you unmuted. Uh, did you have something you want to say, Tiffany? Hold on a second, Ollie. I was, I was just going to say thank you to all of the practitioners uh, and physicians on this call because, uh, you know, I'm just going to say a little personal thing. In the last uh, month or so, I've lost uh, three people that were close to me, two, two family members and one, one old friend, two of them to kidney disease, and then uh, had a cousin, as she was leaving her son's funeral, have a stroke. And it was a big deal because her parents were the ones who made me even start looking at whether or not kidney disease had some genetic links, whether what's, what was happening with our family had a genetic link. You know, so it's easy to get disheartened for the, the leaders to get disheartened when we're trying to deal with things like this. Um, but when I hear you all, actually fighting to do what's right within a system that is built around what's wrong, I am really inspired to continue with the good fight. And I know that for us to make a change, it requires conversations like this and alliances because together we're much stronger than you all trying to do this separately and on your own. When you come together, you can slay the dragon of, of uh, medicine. We can actually address Medicare and redirect how this is being done. The way that you, yes, it's a behemoth, but how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. We will put them down and change this. Absolutely. Thank you so very much for those comments, Tiffany. Okay, Ali, go ahead, sir. Well, save the elephant. Uh, it's better to cut a coconut than uh, to, cu to cut an elephant. So it, it just to uh, warm my heart to see these kind of sessions. Uh, we need more sessions like that because I realize it's also about mental health. I, uh, the patients, but also the, the practitioners, all of you, for instance, uh, could be disheartened by what's happening in this world. So 
it's really also about mental health. Uh, and for instance, uh, I was hearing about firefighters. The firefighters are extinguishing fires, but when there are fire within, who is going to help them? So it's the same with the, the nurses and the doctors, and we need more and more mental health. It's important because there will be less and less doctors, like less and less teachers also. And so more and more patients for the same doctor. So we need uh, more mental health and also to uh, make the politics accountable for the decisions they are making. Uh, are they going to put decisions uh, towards a better healthcare or are they going to continue the same toxic system? So I, I think uh, it's also to be stronger together and to be there each other for mental health. That's for, so important. So kudos for you, Arlon, for making this session happen. And we need more and more of that. Thank you. You're very welcome, sir. Thank you very much for the wonderful comments. And thank you again for all of the healthcare heroes that we had on today. Thank you, everyone, for participating. And uh, you'll the, the next version of this, I don't know for sure what we're going to talk about next time, but you can see it's a pretty wide variety of folks that attend. So you always get some great insights. Uh, we're taking around a few different ideas on what the next one will be. But one thing we do know and that's when it's going to be. And that is going to be on January the 30th. Once again, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, January the 30th, which is the last Tuesday of the month of January. If you just can't wait that long to listen to my voice, <laughs> you can go out and listen to the Health and Wealth Power Hour podcast. As many of them as you'd like to, we have a bunch of those out there on HW Power Hour. Dot com. That's where you can subscribe, hwpowerhour.com. Huge variety of guests that we have out there for you to listen to. You can also follow some links and listen to the old versions of the Health and Wealth Power Hour radio show. I did over two years of radio shows, over 100 episodes that also had a wide variety of folks to listen to as well. Thanks again for everyone participating and thanks a special thank you to those holiday healthcare heroes for being here as well. Everyone have a super blessed rest of the year and a wonderful start to 2024. Thanks again for being here and we'll catch you next time.